What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, read them, pray with them, sit with them, study, and then hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you and your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming a saint. The reality is your life, my life, our lives are really messy and there's not always going to be that easy to go to fill in the blank Christian response to life's daily problems. And so my goal is to simply accompany you, accompany you toward Jesus so that we can try to listen to Jesus together and hear Jesus give us um, his wisdom on how he is inviting us to be disciples today. If my advice for you doesn't help you grow in virtue and doesn't help you to become the disciple Jesus Christ invites you to be in your walk with him, then please trash whatever it is I say that is not helpful for you to grow in intimacy with Christ. However, if my advice is helpful for you, though difficult, I want to encourage you to lean into Jesus so that Jesus Christ can give you the grace to fulfill the demands of authentic discipleship. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with your questions regarding anything and everything from morality to apologetics to discipleship to relationship advice to spirituality, prayer, uh, anything you can think of. Hit me up and I'll respond to three to five questions per episode. You can also critique me and follow up emails. You can follow up with more comments. We can keep the dialogue going. Uh, whatever it is, you can just hit me up with your comments. Let me know your feedback. What do you think of today's podcast and a previous podcast as well? I also really want to invite you and encourage you to please rate us and review us on iTunes so that in other podcast formats, just so that other people can find out about the show. If the show is in any way, shape, or form helpful for you, then potentially it could be helpful for others as well. And finally, you can email me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com with your questions, comments, critiques on today's show and every show that has preceded today's show as well. So today's topics, what are they for today's show? They are all really, really good, good questions. So one question is about, um, about marriage and, and divorce and what do we do whenever our spouse is walking away from our marriage? How can we pray? Is there any wrong way to pray in this season of our lives? Another question is about God and the way he's depicted in the Old Testament and the New Testament and our perception of him that might seem to be sometimes angry um, as opposed to being super merciful. So we're just going to delve into that for a little bit. And then finally, we have a question about the Mass uh, and about who can uh, confect the Eucharist. Is it just Catholic priests? Or can our Protestant brothers and sisters also confect the Eucharist into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ if they begin to believe in the real presence of Christ? So those are our topics for today. And before we get jumping into those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. All right, so my glory story this week happened the day after Christmas. I want to share with you. So, y'all, Advent season and Lent season are the busiest seasons in the church for me. I mean, we have like pennant services at the wazoo. We have missions. And then Christmas, either, you know, your crazy mass schedules. And uh, so the day after Christmas, I was just like, tired. Oh, I mean, my body was feeling it. And uh, I decided, you know what, I'm gonna go to St. Joseph's Abbey, where I went to seminary at many years ago, just to go pray. That's like one of my places I go to one of my my sacred places, I can just enter into intimacy with Jesus very easily when I go over there to go pray on those sacred grounds. And I got there and I was praying in the cemetery. 
And uh, I saw my spiritual director's truck was around. And so he's a hermit. He lives on a hermitage in, uh, at the Abbey. And so I just called him to tell him Merry Christmas. He was like, hey, come on over uh, for some coffee, which was awesome. And so I got to have coffee with him. And after we were having coffee, it turned into like spiritual direction, which I didn't want to like impose on him because didn't, I didn't schedule it. But, yo, it was just so beautiful and awesome. And I got to go to confession. And, yeah, God's mercy was just so Ah, so good for me. But the reason why I share this with you is because in the midst of this happening, um, I perceived the voice of Christ speak to me. And I say I perceived because I'm not infallible and I could be wrong. I could I could have discerned. It could have been me. I don't know. Right. I don't ever want to impose and and act like I am the all knowing, whatever, great discerner. So but I perceived Jesus like to speak in my heart and say, like, Josh, the reason why you sometimes feel that interior tension is because you're trying to be somebody you're not. You are trying to be somebody you're not. And he said, uh, you're the body of Christ. That's who you are. And anytime you try to respond in a way that goes against the way that Jesus Christ would respond, you're trying to be someone that you are not. You are the body of Christ. And like my, my soul was just like flooded with like that scripture whenever Jesus approached Saul and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Whenever Saul is persecuting Christians and disciples and believers, Jesus didn't say, why are you persecuting them, my believers, my disciples, my church? He said, why are you persecuting me? So Jesus Christ directly identifies himself with us by virtue of my baptism. Like the old me is dead. I I am the body of Christ. That's who I am at my core. And anytime I try to respond to any of life situations by brooding or by being impatient or unkind toward people who offend me, I'm going to feel some kind of way because that's not the way that Christ would ever act. That's not the way he even thinks. And, and so the Lord was just purifying my mind. And all of a sudden it's like peace flooded in my soul. And it was this huge grace that I didn't, I didn't expect. I didn't go there seeking. I, I, I just, it just came. And I'm so grateful that it came because it's really been sticking with me since. And every time since I'm tempted to, again, feel some kind of way in my interior, in my head, in my heart. It's like, nope, nope, mm-mm, because I'm the body of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he didn't brood yesterday, he ain't going to brood today. St. Paul says it, love is patient, love is kind, love does not brood. Love, uh, right, it does uh, not envy. And so uh, anytime like, I'm tempted to entertain any of those thoughts, the Lord has been reminding me, nope, God is good all the time, all the time. God is straight up good. Okay. Now, before we get jumping into today's topics, I also want to follow up on some of our feedback from some previous episodes. First feedback comes from my homie in Christ. My homie in Christ says this, hey, it's your homie in Jesus. I just wanted to give you some feedback. And first off, I want to say thank you. I truly appreciate all that you do and for answering my question. I really do feel God answered my prayers through your advice and counsel. Ah, praise God. That's such a gift to hear. I'm taking your advice and praying about which one I would do and not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I really want to do all of them, but I'm definitely leaning toward the fasting from all social media, TV, and limiting my phone usage for a month. Yeah, yeah. Just be simple. Be super simple uh, in, your, in your mortification. I also wanted to thank you for praying for me and saying that you truly desire my good. It warmed my heart when you said that. Ah, praise God. And just to share a quick story, a few weeks ago, I was preparing to do a talk for the youth group I serve at my parish on Advent. And honestly, I was super nervous and didn't feel like I was ready for the task and just all out stressing. 
I don't know why, but but I felt called to pray for your intercession, and I did, and a peace just swept over me like I heard your voice in my head saying, you got this, you got this. And it was one of the best talks I've given, so I just wanted to say I really, really, really do appreciate all that you do in your ministry as well. Uh, thank you so much for your help, and I'll keep updating you with what I'm going to do. God bless you, homie in Christ. Well, look, homie in Christ, I'm super excited to hear that uh, everything is going well for you in this season, that you're growing, and that you're maturing in your relationship with the, the Lord. Uh, we also have a follow-up that is a voicemail, and so I want to let y'all listen to this voicemail real quick from one of our sisters in Christ who is going through RSA right now. So check this voicemail out. Hey, Father Josh, my name is Tamara, and I'm from Houston, Texas. I want to take some time to let you know how much your advice and guidance has meant to me and helps me with my journey of faith. Because if somebody appreciated me this much, I would want to know about it. So, you know, I was baptized Catholic, but then my parents took me out of the church before I could have my first communion because they got divorced. And I never really had any true spiritual guidance in my life. Throughout my 20s, I was lost and depressed and selfish and self-destructive and just living a life void of virtue. And you know, God brought me back to the church when I was actually looking to get my niece baptized. Uh, they told me I had to go through RCIA. And I have stayed in RCIA because of the joy that it's brought me mending my relationship with God and learning that this is where I should have been this whole time. But, you know, RCA is a process and, you know, you struggle and you have doubts and you have fears and you have questions and you're not always sure if you want to ask people those questions in person. Your podcast has done so much to help me realize my faith and to give me strength and encouragement to you know, continue on this journey. And like, instead of being scared of my first reconciliation, now I'm excited. I can't wait. <laughs> like I'm going to get that relief from penance and I'm going to be one step closer to the Eucharist and I'm going to get to be able to, you know, mend my relationship with God. And it's a huge part because of you. So I thought you should know that. And I'll be praying for you and, you know, keep up the work that you're doing because think you're helping more people than you realize that you're helping. All right. Praise God. Yeah. So I'm super grateful for your, your voicemail, um, means so much to, to me, uh, to hear that the Lord is doing so much in your life right now and that he's just drawing you into a deeper intimacy with him. And so I praise God. And I, I, again, I am, you put a huge smile on my face whenever I heard your voicemail, like huge, huge smile, your gift to my heart, my priestly heart is just super grateful. And I'm, I'm, so grateful to the Lord for allowing me to uh, be able to accompany you in this season of your life. I think you're going to be a great saint one day. So God bless you, holy woman. Um, also, a few more feedbacks. Uh, we've been you know, out for a little bit. So uh, a lot of feedbacks coming in. So this one comes from Rochelle. She says, Father Josh, I need to tell you thank you. It has been on my heart over the last week to dive deeper into Lexio Divina. And even with Tim Gray's book, uh, I was still struggling with where to start. And what it all looked like. Tim Gray is an awesome disciple. Praise God, he got his book. And then I received a notice that your newest podcast was waiting for me, waiting for me to listen to, to pray with you, and to be fed. Yes, I needed the quiet time to pray, and your words always feed my soul as if you were my personal spiritual director. Yet this time, it was more. 
You were a direct gift from the Holy Spirit, showing me how Lexio Divina can change my prayer life and how it can be incorporated into my day. I've listened to this podcast every day this week. Ah, oh, praise God. I don't have the right words to tell you just how perfect this was. Just know that you are a gift. Ah, well, thank you. That is actually true. I am a gift. John 17, Jesus said it. Um, uh, he said to the Father, he said that they are your gift to me. And so uh, according to the word of God, we are all a gift from God. So I don't know if you're like struggling right now uh, with your identity. And if maybe you've been rejected recently, uh, not you, Rochelle, but just other listeners as well. But I just want you to recognize, like, according to Jesus, you're a gift. He spoke your true identity. And so, like, don't entertain anything else anyone else is saying about you right now. You are a gift. Um, so back to Rochelle's um, following up feedback. She says, thank you for doing his work to reach people you may never meet on earth, but I pray we will meet as saints. Yeah, Rochelle, I really want to be a saint, and I really want you to be a saint so that we can hang out in heaven. And that would be super cool to like be able to connect in heaven and praise God together with all the angels and saints. And finally, last feedback comes from Carrie, which kind of goes with Rochelle's, um, but it's also a question. So I'm going to do a feedback slash answer her question. She says, Father Josh, I love you. Ah, I love you too, Carrie. Your gift. Um, your podcast helped me so much. I listened to your latest podcast and I have a question. When you say to add things after saying the name Jesus... So this is with regards to the, the politics rosary. Um, how do you come up with things to say? Do you just reflect or do you pull ideas from the mystery reading? I tried this morning, but struggling finding 10 things to say after Jesus. I guess I have one more question. So if you get through a decade this way, um, after one whole mystery, after five days, do you move on to the next mystery? Great, great question, Carrie. All right, so yeah. So what I do is I apply the steps of Lexio Divina to that specific uh, mystery. And so like again, if it's like the... If it's Jesus being crucified, I will read the Passion narrative, and and then I will do Lexio Divina with the Passion narrative, which is where you read the scripture, what does it say, you meditate on it, what does it say to me, you pray with it, have a conversation with Jesus Christ about what it says to you, and you contemplate, you just sit in the presence of God and gaze at him as he gazed at you. And then as you go into praying the rosary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus then you listen attribute of his life specifically with regard to that scripture passage, Jesus, who prayed for people who did not say I'm sorry. He prayed, Father, forgive them, and they, they never said I was sorry. And so Jesus Christ unilaterally forgave. And so, like, uh, who am I called to, to forgive right now in my life who has not apologized to me and who may not ever apologize to me? But as a disciple of Jesus, I'm called to imitate Jesus. And so, Lord, I ask that you bring to my mind, my memory, someone who has not apologized yet for offending me. And then once that person comes to my mind, I'm going to pray, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Holy Mary, Mother of God, I pray for sinners, not the hour of death. Amen. Um, one cool thing you can do if you find it a struggle to pray like find 10 things to say after the name of Jesus, is you can sing it. Sing the Hail Mary. Do a little chant. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Who? And then you like list the attribute, and then you go into Holy Mary, Mother of God. What that does is, if you sing, Augustine says you pray twice. So all you got to do is come up with five things, and you've done your decade. Uh, and yeah, what I'll do is I'll do that decade. So like on Wednesday is the glorious. And so I'll pick one thing of the glorious mysteries on Thursday. I'll pick one thing from the luminous on Friday. I'll pick one thing from the sorrowful. And then on Saturday, it's back to glorious, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'll pick another decade of the glorious and spend the whole day with that. So hopefully that helps you out, Carrie. And um, yeah, pray for me. Next time you do your rosary, um, say a little quick prayer for me because I am a sinner who wants to be a saint, but nonetheless, I am still a sinner. I 
On to today's questions. Our first question is a question that completely wrecked my heart whenever I read it and began to pray for this person who remains anonymous. But God knows who you are, and um, and I am like seriously praying for you, my sister. So she writes this. My now ex-husband and I had been married for 10 years. We have two boys and are expecting our third in April. He just filed for divorce a few weeks ago, and the divorce was granted. He first mentioned divorce about seven months ago, and I've been desperately praying for him to have a change of heart since then. Obviously, he did not have a change of heart for a while, hence the baby on the way, uh, but it didn't stick. During Advent, I've been doing the Rejoice Advent Meditations, which, as you know, have focused a lot on Mary and her trust and surrender to God's plan. My question is, can I, at the same time, be praying for my own desired outcome to my current situation, which is for my husband to come back to me and for us to be a family again? and at the same time be submitting myself to and trusting in God's will. Are those two incongruent ideas? I often hear of the importance of persistence in prayer, but at the same time that God's plan may look different than our plans. Feel free to point me to any resources you have that might answer this question and also say a prayer for my family and me. Thanks and God bless you and your work, Anonymous. Okay, God bless you, my sister. Uh, Before I answer your question, I just want you to know I've, I've really been praying for you. My heart is just completely pierced open for you uh like legit when I was praying for you I felt this ache and it was as if I couldn't even breathe like um yeah that's how I felt I physically like felt this like um it was difficult to breathe while praying for you um like almost like a panic attack um so I I don't I can't imagine what you're going through but I'm I imagine potentially the Lord may have allowed me to intercede for you and to just experience that in solidarity for that moment uh, with you. And so I want you to know I'm, I'm praying for you, my sister. And my, um, my prayers are for you and for your family and for restoration and for healing and for renewal, renewal in your life and in your husband's life and in your children's life. Um, I just I'm praying for you, my sister. So if anything else, I want you to know that you have an intercessor in me now. You have me as an intercessor And even when Jesus Christ was abandoned by people he thought he could trust, by people who he shared everything with, by people he was totally vulnerable with, when the apostles did not show up at the foot of the cross, um, Mary showed up and John showed up eventually and that consoled his heart. And so I want you to know that Mary has always been with you at your cross and she's been praying for you. And like John, I'm showing up now and I'm standing there with Mary next to you while you're on your cross in the season of your life. With regard to your question, yeah, yeah, you know, um, we don't know what's best for us. We don't see the whole book of our life. We only see the chapter we're living in. God is definitely writing this epic story of your of your future canonization, potentially. Um, and um, the goal is to express our desires, though. God wants you to express your desires. Because uh, Jesus did that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He expressed his desires to his Father. He said, Father, like, let this cup pass from me. Um, three times he prayed that prayer, but then he said, but not my will, thy will be done, right? So he expressed a desire, but then he also didn't hold on to an expectation. And again, like when he was with Peter, after the resurrection, he said, Peter, can you love me with an unconditional love? And Peter said, Lord, I love you with a friendship love. And he said, but can you love me with an unconditional love? Expressing his desire for Peter to love him unconditionally. And then Peter again responding, I love you with a friendship love. And then finally, Jesus saying, well, can you at least love me with a friendship love? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you with a friendship love. And so what we see in that episode is the same thing we see in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus expresses a desire, but does not hold on to the expectation. 
right? And so our goal is to imitate Christ. As a member of the body of Christ, we imitate Jesus. And so express your desire to the Father. Um, express your desire to your now ex-husband. Um, but don't hold on to the expectation, right? Because we also have to surrender to the reality that we don't know what's best for us in our walk toward eternity. Um, we don't, you know? Um, we just don't. And so, but God does. And God wants us to have a real relationship, which involves expressing our desires. And if our desires are good desires, ultimately, like for our sanctification, for our walk toward eternity to become saints, God will answer those prayers. And he will say yes. But if those desires that we express to God, for whatever reason that we might not understand, aren't good for us, he's going to say no. Like, you don't see what I see, and it's not good for you for whatever reason. Or he might say yes, but not now, or not in the way you think. Um, and so definitely express your desires. A specific way you might want to pray, and we actually talk about this in the Rejoice book, um, Advent Meditations, is that the model of A-R-R-R, acknowledge, relate, receive, respond, where you acknowledge your thoughts, feelings, and desires to the Lord in prayer. Um, or you acknowledge them to yourself, and then you relate them to God in prayer, and then you open yourself up to receive from Him however He wants to speak to you, whether it's through this podcast, or through the scripture, or through a praise and worship song, or through a friend, or through silence, or through... Um, a movie or whatever God can communicate to us in a million different ways. And then we respond to it uh, with some concrete action. So yeah, keep expressing your desires, sister, but try not to have the expectation, right? Um, try not to have expectations, but do have desires that you can share. Uh, because um, again, expectations are on our terms and we don't always know what great good the father has in store for us because he's a good good father he's a good good father and he only has that which is best for you he only has that which is best for you in your walk toward becoming a saint so please believe that i'm praying for you and i want to invite our other listeners to pray for you as well and to stand at the foot of the cross with you and uh to just open your hands wide there's a song you might want to listen to it's by will reagan it's called nothing to hold on to and also climb by will reagan and listen to both of those songs back to back um there's nothing i hold on to i lean not on my own understanding my life is in the hands of the maker of heaven and i will climb this mountain with my hands wide open because we don't know what gift God has in store for you and for him and for the rest of your family. And so just um, I encourage you to keep your hands wide open uh, in your walk with the Lord. And he has a great gift for you. So, all right. What do y'all think? Do y'all have any further advice, comments for our sister who is anonymous? Uh, let me know what you think. Hit me up with your advice for her and write me at askfatherjosh at essentialpress.com. And let me know. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final two questions. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Bible that actually explains how to navigate it and make sense of it? A Bible that includes a detailed plan for how to read it with a page layout that's designed for study and personal devotion? Now, for the first time ever, there is a Catholic Bible that does just that. 
a Bible that incorporates the same color-coded learning system that has proven so effective in the Great Adventure Studies. I have had the privilege of working with some of the most talented biblical scholars of our day, Mary Healy, Andrew Swafford, and Peter Williamson, to create the Great Adventure Catholic Bible. This Bible makes the complex simple as it guides you through the narrative woven throughout salvation history. The translation is the Revised Standard Version, 2nd Catholic Edition, an elegant, accurate, and modern Catholic translation. The Great Adventure Catholic Bible is perfect for your personal devotion and Bible study or as a gift for friends and family. If you want to understand sacred scripture and be transformed by the Word of God, then this is the Bible for you. Pick up your copy at ascensionpress.com. And welcome back from the break. Our next question comes in from Christine. Christine writes this. Wanted to first off say thanks for actually saying yes to the Lord and doing this podcast. I feel this podcast has been extremely helpful in getting to know the Lord better. It helps me to on my walk toward his uh, saint. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, not, I mean, not the podcast, but like you're right. You call it to be a saint. But praise God, the podcast is a tool the Lord has been using. For context, I'm a young adult, 23, and have been feeling a deep desire to learn more about the Lord and grow closer to Him. Your podcast has helped me learn so much more about our faith and has helped me to learn more about myself. Praise God. Your challenges during each podcast are wonderful, and the questions being asked are all the questions I also have. Because of this, it helps me in knowing I'm not alone. You are not alone. <laughs> that was, yeah, free really. Um <laughs> I'm sorry, that is such a corny song, my bad. And having all these questions and that the struggle is real, the struggle is real, and learning more about ourselves and in our journey towards sainthood. It's as if God is using you as a vessel to speak directly to me sometimes. Ah, stop, stop it, stop piercing my heart. Uh, so I ask that you pray for me in my walk towards sainthood. You got it, Christine. I will pray for you in your walk toward being a saint. Anyway, moving on to my question. The Big Bang podcast really helped me have a deeper understanding about the Old Testament and the Catholic belief. I had a follow-up question about the Old Testament that I've had others ask me, but I never knew how to answer. It's about how God is depicted in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. I was wondering why God in the New Testament is shown as an all-loving God, while in the Old Testament, he seems more angry. Granted, I recognize that our understanding of God has shifted over time. God never changes, so God has always been the same loving and merciful God, and that God is God. So human logic and human rules don't apply to him, but I didn't really know how to answer it. I hope I articulate this well and that you can understand my question. Yo, Christine, yeah, that is a great question, and you did articulate it really, really well. Before I go into my response, I want to encourage you to check out Emily Cavins. She's Jeff Cavins' wife, and she is a wonderful, wonderful lady of... Um, of the word, right? She is very prayerful and knows the scriptures very well. And she has a lot of stuff out with Ascension. Um, if you just Google Emily Cavins response uh, to this, uh, to, uh, I don't Oh gosh, I forgot how you look, find it. There's a beautiful blog she wrote and now I can't remember it. So hopefully if you go on my show notes, my producers at Ascension will do the work behind the scenes and put the actual link to Emily Cavins response um, to this question about God in the Old Testament and New Testament. But she has some really great points that she makes uh, with regard to to this this question. Uh, so on to my response, though. Uh, yeah, you know, first of all, Jesus is all good and loving and merciful. But 
he also manifested just anger, righteous anger in the New Testament. He flipped tables, you know. Um, Jesus talked about hell a lot. And so I don't want us to ever get this perception that Jesus Christ was like this guy who came here to be nice and to just be a nice guy. Like he called us to be saints. And in the process of that, he manifested righteous anger in doing so, which sometimes a good father, which Jesus is the manifestation of God the Father, um, and a good bridegroom, which Jesus is the bridegroom of the church, would do to protect his kids and his wife, his spouse. Right? With righteous anger, we will say like, no, do not go outside and play in the backyard. There's a snake outside that wants to harm you. Right? No, like if a kid's walking across the street and he's about to get hit by a car, the parent would say like, what are you doing? Like, no. Right? So sometimes we have to recognize that God wants to protect us. And in his desire to protect us, the way he manifests that is through being pretty, pretty stern. Um, I think it's also about perspective, though. You know, like we need to put ourselves in the perspective of the sacred authors who who God used as his instruments to communicate then in that historical context. Um, they think different than we think today. And so sometimes we might read something and say, man, that seems kind of harsh. But again, like they were in a different like cultural context than we are in. And so at the time, whenever they were writing, it might have not been perceived that way. And also some things that they were writing, we might not understand. Um, like if someone read my words or listened to my words today, like I speak, right? And sometimes I use like hip terms and I might say, oh man, that book is bad. And if you read that 20 years from now, you might say, oh man, I Father Josh thought that book was a terrible book. He said it was bad. But when I said it was bad, I mean, it was good. I mean, it was awesome. And so we don't always understand the sacred authors and the way that the Holy Spirit was um, writing um, through them whenever they originally put down the the manuscripts of the sacred scriptures. But also, perspective, God is protecting us from sin. God is fighting for us to be holy. And many of us keep walking away from God and worshiping false idols and doing things that are dangerous. And so God is a good father and as a spouse is going to come after us and he's going to fight for us and he's going to fight for our relationship with him. For instance, Garden of, Gets, I mean, Garden of Eden, uh, sometimes we read that passage and we say, oh man, God is so harsh. He was so mean to Adam and Eve. They made one mistake. They ate a piece, they ate a piece of fruit. Like, gosh, I've done worse things than that. But what we don't recognize is that in that, Garden of Eden was the tree of eternal life. And if they would have remained in the Garden of Eden after they sinned, they could have potentially gone to the tree of eternal life. And then they would have been eternally separated from God. And so God wanted to protect them from the tree of eternal life. And so he kicked them out the garden to protect them. He was fighting for them. He was trying to help them avoid the near occasion of being perpetually um, separated from him. He's a good father. And so I think sometimes we have to like look look at the scriptures through the lens of God as a father and as a bridegroom fighting for us, fighting for us as we go to these false idols that separate us from him. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that would be the best way I would try to propose we look at sacred scripture through the lens of God as our as a lover. God is this lover. Like read the Song of Songs and then apply the Song of Songs to the rest of the Old Testament. Um, and I think that might give you a better lens to see that, oh, wait a minute, like he's he's like fighting for me. He's fighting to protect me from sin. Like sin's the, the worst thing I can do, and I'd rather a physical death over a spiritual death for all eternity any day of the week. Um, my life doesn't belong to me, it belongs to God, you know, and so if he sees it best for my life to end now, um, then praise God, because I'd rather my life end now and me go to heaven than for me to be eternally separated from the one I was created for, for all eternity. So yeah, I think it's all about perspective and looking at the historical context that it was written in and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, he's definitely a good God and merciful, but he manifests his goodness and his mercy sometimes through righteous anger.
to get us back on track. All right, final question coming in is from Crystal. Crystal writes this. Hey, hello, Father Josh. Hello, it's me. I was one. No, how does, no, that's Adele. How does Lana Richie go? Hello, is it me you're looking for? So she says, hello. I haven't heard hello in a long time. So hello, Father Josh. Hello, Crystal. I listen to your podcast a lot, and I love the work you're doing. I have a question regarding the Eucharist and the Mass. First of all, I find it a bit confusing to understand the sacrifice of the Mass. Do we re-sacrifice Jesus in every Mass? Was the one sacrifice by Jesus like not enough also? And I'm aware the Eucharist is the body and blood of Jesus, which we believe can only be found in the Catholic Church or Orthodox churches. However, I've been in some Protestant churches where... They somewhat believe in the real presence, like that somewhat, like they kind of believe it's kind of Jesus, kind of not. My question is, why can't a Protestant minister also make the bread and wine the actual body and blood of Jesus? Why is our communion not valid, so to speak? Thank you, Crystal. Yeah, Crystal, great, great question. So first of all, St. Paul, yeah, he said Jesus was sacrificed once for all, Hebrews 10.10. So his sacrifice is mystically represented for us at every Mass but in an unbloody manner. Hashtag Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1366. All right. So he had one bloody sacrifice. And whenever it's mystically represented for us at every mass, it's unbloody. The Catechism also says this, the sacrifice of Christ and the sacrifice of the Eucharist are one single sacrifice. You could check that out in paragraph 1367, which is why the church refers to mass as the holy sacrifice of the mass. Um, yeah, so we don't re-sacrifice Jesus. I know some people say that y'all kill him at every mass. No, we don't. But sacrifice is is intrinsic with worship, though, right? Um, and so that's why we speak of it as the sacrifice of the mass. Also, with regards to Protestant ministers in communion, so some of them don't believe it's Jesus. Some of them believe he's a symbol. Um, others believe that it's a symbol that has some power. Other believe it's just a symbol, period. Um, and then and then there are some who, at some point in their walk toward eternity, believe in the true presence. One was a buddy of mine. He's a Protestant minister, non-denominational minister um, in Baton Rouge, and good friend of mine. And uh, in recent years, he has come to believe in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. But he also believes that he can confect the Eucharist, which I would like to say I disagree with him on that. And here's why. Because Jesus said to the apostles in the sacred scriptures, he said this, do this in remembrance of me to them, specifically to the apostles, who then passed their authority onto their successors, the bishops. And in order to be able to consecrate the Eucharist, we need to be ordained by a bishop whose authority was handed down to him from a bishop to bishop since the days of the apostles who received from Jesus. This is what's called apostolic succession. Unfortunately, Protestant ministers who broke away from the Catholic Church 500 years ago, they do not have apostolic succession. Therefore, they don't have a valid sacrament of priesthood. And Jesus only gave that gift to the apostles, right? He didn't give it to every disciple. He gave it to the apostles. And so we have this unbroken line of apostolic succession. Like literally, like my head was laid hands on by my bishop who was laid hands on by the bishop who preceded him going all the way back to Peter who received from Jesus. Does it make sense? Like there's an apostolic succession. And so we can't change and say, well, because I believe in it now, I can make it the Eucharist. Like when I was a seminarian, I could not confect the Eucharist and I believed in the Eucharist, but I wasn't ordained. 
I was in school, but I wasn't ordained. So it wouldn't have been valid. If I would have tried, nothing would have happened, right? Um, and so just because you believe doesn't mean you have the right stuff for it to happen. Every sacrament that we've received as a church from Jesus has a proper matter and form. And it's not up to us to change the matter and form because we want to change it to be what we want it to be. We have to receive the gift that Jesus Christ gave to us as he gave it to us. And so the matter is the stuff, the form is the way we do it. And so um, like for the Eucharist, you have to have bread, water, and wine, and a priest. And then you have to have the words of consecration. If I changed up the words of consecration and made it my own prayers, even though I have bread, water, wine, and me, it would not be the Eucharist. right? If I used cookies and milk, because I'm like, oh, man, I want to impress the kids. I want to get more kids to come to Mass. I bet they'll come to Mass if they had cookies and milk, right? It would not be the Eucharist because Christ did not give us cookies and milk. He gave us water and wine and bread, right? And so um, there has to be the right matter and the right form for the sacrament. Same thing with baptism. You can't baptize somebody with milk or with chocolate milk. Um, it's water. You baptize with a person with water, in the, and you have to have the right formula. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you baptize somebody in the name of Jesus Christ alone, it's not a baptism. Baptism has to be in the way that he prescribed it to us, that, he, that we received it from our Lord, um, from his bride, the church. And so every sacrament has a proper matter and form, and it's not up for us to come along today and change it to be what we want it to be. And so, yeah, so that's why they cannot confect the Eucharist. And so even if they believed, it would still just be a symbol because God chooses to operate um, through the proper stuff um, of the sacrament. Uh, I think that I think that might be helpful for you. Um, let me know if that was helpful for you and if that made sense. Follow up, Kristen, let me know. Um, also, you can comment, critique. Oh, finally, one quick thing. St. Ignatius of Antioch in the year 117 A.D. Like, that's a long time ago, right? That's around the time of John, uh, a little bit after John, the, the apostle. He wrote this. Uh, the only valid Eucharist was the one celebrated by the bishop or by the one delegated by him. Because other people, even at that time, were probably trying to like say, like, oh, we think we could do it. And he was very clear. No, like, this is early church fathers, like disciples of the disciples. They said you have to be in union with the apostles for it to happen. So that brings us to today's, the end of today's show. Hopefully this show was helpful. It's been fun. I um, have been itching to, to get back to the, the, the regular podcast, and it's, uh, I'm happy that we're back at it. And so some universal points um, about today's show with regard to God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Remember, God is God, right? And God is a good, good father in the Old Testament. And Jesus Christ is a manifestation of the Father in the New Testament. And so just always try to look at the scriptures through the lens of God is blessing us. God is blessing us. And even if we don't fully understand because of our limitations as humans, like he is blessing us. And he is loving on us. And his love sometimes is really gentle, like a mother hen. And other times it's really stern. Um, but love is love. And his love is only given to us to help us to get to heaven. Uh, with regard to the the Eucharist and the sacraments, just keep in mind substance, accidents, matter, and form. It's really important for us to know philosophy. This is why in seminary we, we study philosophy for four years before we even study theology because philosophy can give us a language that can help us to better understand the early church and the way that they thought with regard to communicating the gospel to the people then in a way that we can continue to communicate it now um, in a way that's tangible and that makes sense and that um, is based in in the teachings of Christ and not just in our feelings. And with regards to prayer and manifesting our desires, uh, ARRR is a great way to communicate our hearts to the Lord and to open ourselves up to receive his grace. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Lord, you are good, you are awesome, you are holy, you are just, you are merciful, you are everything to us, Lord, and we just want to we want to be everything to you. Like, we want our hearts to totally be yours. Like, we don't want to hold anything back anymore, Lord. We don't want to be me- mediocre. It's a new year right now, and Lord, um, we just ask for the grace to totally be sold out to be radical disciples and to even um, be disciples when it's difficult and whenever it's hard and whenever we're experiencing the cross and whenever something rubs us the wrong way, Lord, we just ask that you give us the grace to be radical in our discipleship, uh, to follow your demands so that we can love you wholeheartedly with our minds, with our thoughts, with our imagination, with our hearts, with our bodies, with our lives, with our relationships, with everything that we think, say, and do, Lord, we just want to love you because you are such a good lover to us. We ask this prayer, Jesus, in your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I can't wait to follow up with y'all next week and continue our walk toward eternity. Don't forget, rate and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. Uh, and hit me up with your questions at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. God bless. <laughs>